Harvey Weinstein is headed to jail, but he wasn't found guilty on all the counts. We'll explain. Also, a new study shines a light on changing opinions about same-sex marriage among Protestant pastors. And finally, a new television adaptation of the Watergate scandal is on its way. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Carey. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All of those stories are coming up, but first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by our church leadership podcast, Called. We are right in the middle of season two right now. You can go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts and catch up on the first five episodes, where each week we talk to pastors, leaders, innovators, activists, and people making an impact in ministry. So far this year, we've talked to leaders, including John Eldridge, where we have this week's show features a conversation with Eugene Cho about innovation in ministry. Next week, we're talking to worship leaders about how churches can create new types of worship experiences to attract new communities to their congregations. Some weeks, we've talked about marriage and relationships for people in ministry. We've talked about ways to avoid burnout with with people like John Mark Comer. You do not want to miss Called. If you are in ministry or you know someone in ministry, tell them to check out Called. It's specifically for church leaders and it is designed to help them make more of an impact in their church and their community. It's called Called, and you can get it wherever you get your podcast. All right, to tell us about today's stories, it's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, how's it going, man? Happy Monday. Hey, Jesse. Happy Monday to you. All right, man, let's jump right into the big story, uh, the one that yeah. uh, you know a lot of people are talking about today. It's uh, that Harvey Weinstein was found guilty in his rape trial that was happening in New York. We're hope, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping that the verdict would be a, would have been reached on Friday, but they came to their decision today. What can you tell us, Tyler? Yeah, so the uh, there's lots going on here. Obviously, the, the jury in New York City reached their decision in the trial of disgraced Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein faced five separate counts related to rape and sexual assault allegations. The jury found him guilty on two of those charges, and that would be third-degree rape and a criminal sex act. Now, Weinstein was found guilty of assaulting a production assistant back in 2006 and raping another woman in 2013. We at Relevant usually do not publish the names of victims or say them in our podcasts to protect their privacy. Now, uh, Tyler, obviously, uh, you know, he was charged. He, he was facing five different charges. Uh, he was found guilty on two of them. Um, they, and both have, you know, very uh, serious consequences when it mm-hmm. comes to sentencing. But the trial itself, outside of just the outcome of the trial, the trial itself is pretty newsworthy. What can right. you tell us about how what transpired and what it was like? Yeah, well, we, the, the country's really been following this one, right? For weeks now, Jerry members heard lots of horrifying, Really graphic stories about Weinstein's pattern of sexual abuse and misconduct, violent rape from multiple women. These uh, these stories dated back years, decades. Weinstein has been accused of using his position as a powerful Hollywood exec to prey on women in the entertainment industry. He is also going to cha- face charges in Los Angeles, we should say. Uh, he's been accused of sexual misconduct by more than 90 women. The AP noted during his trial, one of the accusers explained, quote, if he heard the word no, it was like a trigger for him. Uh, so following the convictions now, he could be sentenced up to 25 years in prison. Very real possibility the rest of his life will be spent behind bars. 
Yeah, especially because, as you said, Tyler, he still is facing charges in mm-hmm. California. You know, mm-hmm. these were just the trial in New York. So, Tyler, break this down. What what are the implications of of this, not just for Harvey Weinstein, but for the Me Too movement? Exactly. And that's where things get sort of interesting. Uh, it, and I think it's easy to, for us to forget this, uh, not being part of the uh, of the law culture. Uh, public opinion has been decided on Weinstein for a few years now, but prosecutors were actually pretty skeptical about their odds of winning this case because it's a complicated one. The charges Weinstein was convicted of involved women who continued to work with him after the events of their accusations. And that's the sort of thing that probably would have doomed this case in a pre meeting to world. A lot of people didn't think this would happen, but things have changed now. And this case shows that society maybe has a better understanding of what rape and sexual assault can look like and how women have to navigate a world run by powerful men who feel entitled to their bodies. I want to quote, uh, this is a, a article about this trial from a woman named Erin Carmen here, who wrote about the case in The Cut. The article's title is The Weinstein Verdict is Radical. Here's what she said. Before Me Too, the messiness of the facts in this case ordinarily would never see the inside of a courtroom. After all, prosecutors generally don't bring cases they suspect they might lose. Weinstein had successfully avoided criminal charges in the past. In 2015, he was recorded admitting to groping Ambra Batalana Gutierrez, uh, but Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance declined to bring charges. There simply wasn't much precedent for believing a woman's complicated story or even six women's beyond a reasonable doubt there is today. So uh, obviously a real victory for the Me Too movement. And this this case had been seen as sort of a referendum on how much Me Too had really changed society. And based at least on this very public case, it does look like things are different now than they were a few years ago. Yeah, it, it's, it's refreshing to see justice for these victims mm-hmm. of sexual violence finally Got finally being served, and, yeah. and and you know, like you said, Tyler, we're likely going to see Harvey Weinstein go to prison for a very, very long time. Yeah, and that, the question now is, uh, is this an outlier or is this the beginning of something new? You know, because Harvey yeah. Weinstein is an easy figurehead, but the question will be now is, does society consider consider this sort of their pound of flesh? for the Me Too movement, or is this a real bellwether of real social change? Uh, We'll know uh, pretty soon here. There's certainly no shortage of these men who need to face justice. And uh, we'll be hearing more of these stories, I'm sure, in no time. All right, Tyler, next up, a new study shows shifting opinions about same-sex marriage among Protestant pastors. This was a pretty fascinating study. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what can you tell us about the um, the what LifeWay Research has found? Interesting stuff. Support for same-sex marriage among Protestant pastors has surged in the last decade, driven almost entirely by pastors from mainline denominations, okay? Hmm. So in 2010, about a third of pastors who self-identified as mainline said they supported same-sex marriage. Today, that number has jumped to 47%, almost half. Um, That's according to a new study from LifeWay Research, which found that support for same-sex marriage has grown among all Protestant pastors across the last decade, though the majority do still disapprove. All told, 24% of pastors say they approve of same-sex marriage, while 72% disagree, 67% uh, saying they strongly disagree. So that's still obviously a a minority for support of same-sex marriage among Protestant pastors. But it's a shift from a decade ago when just 15% of Protestant pastors approved of same-sex marriage. So that's really interesting. So what you're saying is almost half of mainline pastors approve of same-sex marriage, but that doesn't really translate to a lot of overall support. 
report. I mean, it's definitely an increase. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the overall numbers, you know, we're not seeing kind of blanket support here, right? Exactly. Statistically speaking, for example, evangelical pastors have seen almost no change over the last decade. In 2010, 8% of evangelical pastors said they supported same-sex marriage, just 8%. And that same percentage holds true today. This study suggested that stability is probably because most evangelical pastors who decide to affirm same-sex marriage probably stop identifying as evangelical altogether. So 8% might represent sort of a ceiling there for how much support Hmm. that uh, particular line of Protestantism will ever reach in terms of its support. Meanwhile, same-sex marriage has the support of 49% of Presbyterian or Reformed pastors, 47% of Methodist pastors, 35% of Lutheran pastors, and 20% of the Church of Christ pastors. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, Baptists, only 3% of Baptists say they support same-sex marriage, and 1% of Pentecostal pastors. So uh, it doesn't really go above half in any of the denominations that this survey looked at, but from 50% on down, a a wide range, a diversity of of just how much support same-sex marriage finds in these denominations. Tell were there any other interesting findings in the study? I think so. In addition, the study found that white pastors are more likely to support same-sex marriage than black pastors, 27% of white pastors versus 15% of black pastors. Uh, also, education a factor. Pastors with a doctorate, 27%, or a master's degree, 32%, are more likely than those with a bachelor's degree or no college degree. 9% of pastors with a bachelor's and 6% of pastors with no college degree at all support same-sex marriage. So lots of different indicators here. There, there's, it's, a, it's a messy thing to study. It's hard to say there's one really denomination or belief or education background or racial identity that's going to be the determining factor, but you can break down some tendencies via studies like these. Well, Tyler, uh, finally, there is a new show about the Watergate scandal that is headed to TV. Uh, you know, we're kind of in this still in this prestige TV moment mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, some really interesting looks at historical events or even alternative uh, history events sure. have been have been visited with, you know, the the skills of talented directors and actors in Hollywood. This one, I feel like is is particularly relevant for kind of the political moment we're in. I mean, it's kind of one of the one of the OG big media and uh, uh, White House scandals. What can you tell us about uh, this Watergate show Mm -hmm. that that is in the works? So it's based on a podcast, actually. Slate's Slow Burn podcast is an interesting project that chooses a new widely known but poorly understood story from recent cultural history and gives it a season-long deep dive treatment. One such treatment went to the Watergate scandal that rocked President Nixon's White House, highlighting the forgotten characters and subplots that built up to a defining American moment. We, we sort of, even with the most recent impeachment saga that happened with President Trump, it seems like every week there is a new character or a new subplot subplot or plot line to that story that now, uh, without looking it up, I probably couldn't tell you all of who they were or what happened. And that's what this podcast was about, like what happened on a week-by-week basis in the impeachment scandal with Nixon's White House. Now, that podcast is becoming a TV show. It'll be called Gaslit. It's being created by Sam Esmail, who masterminded Mr. Robot, and will reteam him with his frequent creative partner, Robbie Pickering, to tell the story of America's most famous impeachment saga, Give or Take the Current One. Julia Roberts will star as Martha Mitchell, the wife of Nixon's attorney general, John Mitchell, and the woman who probably deserves a lot of the credit for bringing the Watergate scandal and Nixon's involvement in it, 
into the spotlight. Sean Penn will play her husband, the famously ruthless John Mitchell, who is Nixon's closest confidant. And Joel Edgerton will play G. Gordon Liddy, the man in charge of keeping the fallout of the Pentagon Papers under wraps. Edgerton will also direct the show. Army Hammer is going to be there, too. He'll play John Dean, who is a young member of the White House Council, torn between his conscience and his loyalty to the office. Teller, uh, this is an interesting show, but particularly interesting for Christian audiences. As you noted on the site, there's one major figure from Christian culture we've, we've really yet to hear about so far in your description here. Yeah, he made an appear- a few appearances in the podcast. We'll see if he makes it onto the TV show, too. But uh, there's no yet word on who, if anyone, will play a key figure in the scandal, Chuck Colson. Colson was a key player in Nixon's White House and later became a model member of the religious right. I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners are yeah. familiar with him, grew up listening to him or know his voice. Uh, easy to forget that before he was sort of a, a champion of the moral majority, he was a, a really feared figure in Nixon's White House. It was quite an interesting story. His life narrative is is, uh, is a strange one. Uh, very interesting. Colson was known as Nixon's go-to hitman. He has been described as the evil genius of an evil administration. He once proposed firebombing the Brooking Institute to steal politically damaging documents while firefighters were busy dealing with the destruction. Colson was indicted in 1974 and shortly thereafter became a Christian after reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. His conversion was ridiculed at the time as sort of a cheap ploy for sympathy, but Colson's life did undergo a turnaround following his release from prison. He devoted his life to prison ministry and reform, became an influential force for conservative social causes like opposing same-sex marriage and abortion. He passed away a couple years ago, 2012. It'll be interesting to see if he makes an appearance in this show. I I haven't fan-cast him yet, but I'm I'm putting my, I'm thinking about it, going over those, those some Hollywood actors to see who could bring him to life. Who, who, who do you th- who do you think? Oh, could, I don't know. Uh, there's so many. Uh, there there's a, I'd, I'd have to. There's no shortage of of white guys out there. But he kind of has a little bit of a Bradley Whitford look from The West Wing, also uh, from from us. That's that's where I'm at right now. But I'll be interested to see where they go. All right. Well, definitely want to keep an eye out for this one. There's a lot of interesting characters in the real life story. So excited to see how it plays out on TV. Tyler, thank you, man. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Well, you can read more about those stories and everything else we're covering over at RelevantMagazine.com. Also, follow us on social. If you're not, you're really missing out because we publish a lot of content every day and we're very excited to bring it to you on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and don't forget to subscribe to our other podcasts. And don't forget, we're here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. We'll be right back.